1: The 2023-24 men and women's college basketball season has officially tipped off, which means it's time to start releasing our weekly episodes of the official podcast of the Horizon League. Justin Kenner with you here for another exciting season, and we always use the first episode to dive into the State of the Union, if you will. And I can't think of a better way to tip off every basketball season right here on the official podcast of the Horizon League than to be joined by the commissioner of the Horizon League herself, Ms. Julie Rowe Julie, it has been a while. Always a pleasure. I hope you are doing well. Welcome.
0: Thanks, Justin. Always good to hear your voice. And, yes, basketball season is upon us, so
1: it's time for us to connect. No, no doubt. And I think before we go any further, I would definitely like to talk about, you know, there's an announcement made about a month or two ago um, about the Horizon League brand recharge. And I want to start there, Julie. Let's start right there. So what led to this brand recharge? And now that we're a couple months into this, you know, how good do you feel about it?
0: Well, I feel great now, so I'll take the, the easy question first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it,
0: where did it start? It started really in the room with our presidents and chancellors over a year ago. And there was a sense that, one, we've got this incredible league with really strong pride. We have some really strong unifiers across our league, and they they thought, and I agreed, that it was time to really crystallize what is that, what what is special about the Horizon League, what's distinctive about us, and then how do we do really a better job of pulling that through to build that pride even stronger on our campuses and in our communities. So it started with our presidents and chancellors, and I I really credit them for having that vision, and then we ran with it.
1: With the recharge, with the changes that have been implemented, Julie, uh, simply put, today's Horizon League versus yesterday's Horizon League, last year's Horizon League. Simply put, what's different? What makes today's Horizon League different than years past?
0: When we started, it was not just, let's get a new logo. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was like, look, our logo's good, but let's go back to why the heck we have it. What is that arc? Why are we named the Horizon League And we got a little philosophical, but in a good way. And I've talked with our student athletes, our coaches, our administrators about this. There is something special about the horizon because it is where the earth and sky meet, just like the seamlessness of our students and athletes. And thinking about how, as even our creative designer said, while we're all in these different special cities across this Midwestern footprint, we all do share one horizon, and that really resonated across our group. And then we talked about these four key pillars. And that, that to me is probably what's different. And what you see is we're really emphasizing those four key pillars.
1: Julie, right now with uh, the athletics landscape You know, always changing. And I feel like every year when we we do this introductory interview, uh, you know, to start the the season for the podcast, we're always talking about the the changes in college athletics. And it just seems like every season it's a new season and it's a new season. Like there's just always something different about it. We're a few years removed um, from when the college landscape was changed, you know, was turned upside down due, due to covid. Uh, And you're a few years into your new role with the Horizon League as well, and I'm just kind of curious. Like right now, how do you feel about the landscape of college athletics and how the Horizon League uh, maintains their momentum, keeping pace with the ever-changing world of college athletics? Of course.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to a little bit of control. What you can control, but you better make darn sure you know what's happening in the greater landscape. And we're definitely doing that. We just had. NCA executives join our our presidents and chancellors and our, our board, which has an athletics director, athletic director representative, SWNFAR, just last week at our meetings in Chicago. So we certainly had a robust conversation about some of these external threats to the collegiate model, and so that we can understand what's that timeline, what's that impact. And then back to, okay, what does this mean for the Horizon League? Well, a few years ago, as you mentioned, not only were we dealing with the pandemic, but we dealt with... A very relaxed approach to transfers and regulations around basketball. We now um, are a few years into this deregulated landscape of name, image, likeness, and I think in both of those key areas, we've we figured out how to make some major moves with NIL. In the Horizon League, we've got this league-wide marketplace with open doors, and I think we're up to almost three hundred dollars worth of trans- three hundred thousand dollars worth of transactions that have been reported through open doors that our student-athletes are able to capitalize on their NIL. Are there transactions happening outside of that? Absolutely. And that's permissible. But the point is, we're able to really help our student-athletes across the board in this NIL space. And then in the transfers, I mean, we've got the anecdotal stories, but we've had some incredible talent transfer into the league, Mm -hmm. I think because they're starting to see, especially in basketball, boy, this is a basketball league. I get to play in some major cities. We're going to be able to make some noise in the postseason I want to be a part of that.
1: Julie, I want to ask you uh, about the transfer portal, because when it basically turned into free agency, I mean, athletes can just transfer wherever they want to. Uh, Obviously, you get the the one free transfer, if you will. Uh, But I thought that was going to be a huge detriment to mid-major conferences uh, like the Horizon. And Look, we've seen how transfers you know, impacted the Horizon League before the portal was the Wild Wild West, of course. But what I've noticed is what I was most concerned about, it's actually been the opposite. It's almost evened out the playing field. Conferences like the Horizon League have benefited from the transfer portal. Although, yes, there are plenty of stories of players leaving. Obviously, the most notable one recently, Tanner Holden leaving Wright State uh, two years ago after leading them to their first tournament win in program history to go to Ohio State we saw that return you know, right state got the, the favor returned when he came back after things didn't work out at Ohio State. Now they're getting a twenty point per game score back. Um and they're gonna be really good this year. Youngstown uh constantly gets really good transfers. We know the job that Greg Campy does at Oakland the transfer portal almost equals out the playing field. We see so many more upsets in the NCAA tournament now. Uh, the season tipped off this week. We watched a lot of mid-major programs take it to high-major programs, including Oakland, giving Chris Holtman and the Buckeyes all they could handle uh, earlier in the week. So I guess the question I have for you is, has the your, your perception of what the portal was going to do to the Horizon League, has it done that, or has it done the opposite? Has it equaled out the playing field in your eyes? What's your perception of how the transfer portal has impacted a conference like your conference, the Horizon League?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think when it started, um, many of us at, at at our level were rightly so concerned that some of our top players would be lured to what might be seen as a bigger opportunity. But I think what we've realized is that the key word there is opportunity. You, you might you might transfer, but that doesn't mean you're going to get the playing time or the exposure that you enjoyed in the Horizon League at your institution. And I think Tanner is a terrific case. I, I'm so glad he's back in the Horizon League and, more importantly, back with Coach Nagy at Wright State, which is where he wanted to be. I think that's a great example that the grass is not always greener. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I'm excited that he's back to compete here. But to your point, of course, we've lost some top talent um, to other leagues. uh, But that's okay. I mean, that's also part of providing increased mobility to student-athletes. On the other hand, to your point, I mean, Jamal Kane transfers in from a Big East school to Oakland and Mm -hmm. was terrific, first-team All-Leaguer. I mean, he just amazing talent to come into the league and really thrived with Coach Campy and the system that he had there. So I think, to your point, um, it's not all bad, right? (laughs) And it's also – I give a ton of credit to our coaches because a lot of this change is you can either complain about it or embrace it. And I think they've embraced it. They've embraced NIL. They've embraced the transfer portal. They've had to change their model of recruiting and retention, and they've done it. I think we've, we've got a great room of coaches right now who are really rising to those challenges.
1: Yeah, the thing that's fascinating is there are a lot of experienced coaches within the Horizon League, whether it's experienced coaching in the conference or just you know longevity within their coaching careers on both the men right. and women's side. And the fact that we're seeing legendary coaches, you know, on high major schools, mid-major, that the changes are pushing them out. I mean, you could say, you know, Coach K and Roy Williams and some of these guys that have resigned and retired, that, you know, a lot of these changes didn't lead to it necessarily. But you know what? I've had my fun. This isn't the same game anymore. What I respect about the coaches that are in the Horizon League right now is like you just talked about, Julie. They're embracing the change head-on, and they're adapting, and that's what's been fascinating. And and seeing schools like Oakland and Northern Kentucky, Youngstown, Wright State – the list goes on and on on both sides. It's been fascinating to watch the game change, but how they adapt at the same time.
0: I agree. And and they, I mean, of course, some attrition is, is healthy at times, like Green Bay with Sundance Wicks or Sunny, as he's called, he is just a bolt of energy mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's brought, um, I think, really energized that program. But to your point, up and down our league, and, and I heard it. Last year, like, wow, we've got several teams buying for the top. This isn't one or two. It's the same story this year. We have really um, the entire level of the league has jumped. And, and again, I credit our coaches and our ADs. They've invested in our men's and women's basketball programs. They've hired and they've retained great staffs, and they've given them the tools and the facilities to go out and build strong programs, and that's what's happening. And it's exciting to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. Um, obviously, you know, when you have, you know, the longevity as far as head coaches are concerned, when new coaches come in constantly, you know, they're coming in to set their program. Uh, and that takes a couple years. Uh, but now a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, longtime head coaches within this conference. So now their programs are established and you're getting a lot of bases set and now they're improving on those you know look at Darren Horn at Northern Kentucky Coach Nagy's been at Wright State for a while Coach Calhoun all of a sudden out of nowhere the last couple of seasons after he's gotten established there and he replaced a legend over there at Youngstown now all of a sudden they're a consistent player at the top Milwaukee's had to change they've had to deal with some coaching changes but to their credit they've been able to use the portal to their advantage uh, at the same time so there's no there's no one way to do something but that's what's also unique about that uh, as far as that's concerned and even on the women's side obviously you have coach Borseth a legend in the game and watching how he's adapted to the changes in the game as well it's been fascinating
0: you're right and I give uh, Kevin coach Borseth all the credit because they this is the first time Green Bay is the preseason number one since the 1920 season um, so he's had to pivot a little bit too in the changing landscape on the women's side and he's done it and they're once again, back at being a preseason favorite. But as you know, on our women's side, there's some strong basketball being played. And the fact that our player of the year with Destiny is back at Cleveland State, that's going to be some terrific competition. I'm excited to watch. and John, I mean, just Youngstown. We've got new coach at Purdue Fort Wayne. Maria, this is her second year. But Cameron's building something special at NKU. Kyle's experienced at Milwaukee. Carrie, as you know, at Wright State, this is, what, her second year? You can already tell she's turning that program around. Um, So it's just, there's a lot of building happening, but also some strong basketball in the midst of it. It's exciting.
1: Julie, we're just tipping off the season this week. So it's crazy to already look ahead all the way to March uh, to the Horizon League men and women's college basketball championships, of course, but the relationship, in Indianapolis, uh, talk about that Indiana Farmers Coliseum. We've seen this postseason conference tournament evolve over the years. Just talking about uh, just talk about that ongoing relationship in Indianapolis and what it means to have the tournament there, um, and just how you've seen it evolve over the years. Like I said, I know with the season tips off this week, but it's never too early to talk about the Horizon League men and women's college basketball championships. Of course,
0: that's right. Never too soon to talk about championships. <laughs> <laughs> our our um, our big. Uh, focus this year and the way we're pushing it here in Indy is March starts here. And that's because in Indy, there's some a lot of important basketball coming to the city. We've got, of course, our Horizon League tournament that kicks it off. And then the NIT finals, the WNIT finals, and the NCA first and second round. With all of that terrific basketball happening, it all starts with the Horizon League championship at Farmers Coliseum. So we really own the March starts here tagline. And this is year five for us. And we found with other leagues that have able, been able to build a destination tournament like we have here. And we've set records every year with it, of course, with except for COVID, but with attendance, with sponsorship and ticket sales. Mm -hmm. So we're really looking to reach, get over that even bigger tipping point this year. We see year five as a critical time to take the next big jump forward. And that's our indie community has really rallied around it. And more importantly, our fan bases across our 10-city footprint have. And that, to me, is key. We want them to come here. We want them to have an incredible time in this great city. And we want them to come back.
1: Julie Rolash, the commissioner of the Horizon League, awesome enough to join us here on the tip-off episode of Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. Julie, send us out with this. There was big news made about a few weeks ago regarding the the future of the NIT and how it's going to be formatted and how teams are going to qualify for this And it doesn't. And it impacts mid-major conferences, but not in a positive way. Uh, You know, the fallback of the NIT has always been the fact that okay, every team goes into the season hoping to win the conference tournament uh, at the end of the season to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. But the fallout, uh, the fallback, has always been: well, if we don't get hot at the right time, we at least have the NIT and that big stage to play on. Well, that rug may have been pulled out of underneath mid-major conferences like the Horizon. And I'm curious your thoughts as a commissioner, as the commissioner of the Horizon League. When you heard that news, how devastating is that? How much of an impact is that negatively for a conference like the Horizon, in your opinion?
0: Yeah, I, it's this was big news. And we were, from the Horizon League standpoint, as a Division One commissioner, I was disappointed. And unfortunately, surprised. Uh, usually, the NCA does a tremendous job of front-end communication and collaboration on these big decisions. But uh, Unfortunately, this did not enjoy either that communication or collaboration. So the news is dropped last Friday afternoon, as you know. Um, of course, I hear from several of our athletics directors and coaches expressing this disappointment, and that's diplomatic on my part. <laughs> and as well as I reached out to my other commissioner peers who also did not have a heads up on this, but it's a big deal for all the reasons you just said right now, as you know, we're, we've been talking, our league is incredibly competitive and just getting better every year for whoever that team is that wins the regular season championship. That's a big darn deal. And for them to know that if they're not able to deliver the horizon league championship here in Indianapolis at the Coliseum on March 12th, then they still have an opportunity to play in the NIT. That's significant. So, and to strip that away on the eve of the basketball season is really hard to get our my mind around and I definitely don't support it. So we're, there are commissioner calls happening. We're reaching out to the NCAA to understand how did this happen? Why did this happen? And as I keep saying, what's the path forward? This has been announced as a one year Um, decision. What does that mean? Hmm. And how do we get back to providing this meaningful opportunity to our teams on a go-forward basis?
1: Julie, are you worried that this is maybe a, uh, you know, we're gonna start with the NIT before we make drastic changes to the NCAA tournament where we're talking auto bids from every conference out there? I mean, are you concerned that this could be a precursor to that?
0: Well, the good news is um, with the NCAA championship That is under the jurisdiction of the Men's Basketball Committee as well as the Men's Basketball Oversight Committee. So for any changes to happen to that tournament, it's got to be approved by the membership. And there there are conferences beyond the Power Five, if you will, represented on those committees. And though any decisions by those committees go through a robust, communication where we have significant input at the Horizon League whether it's at the NCAA council level it's in the commissioner room that I sit in so that for that to change there's going to be significant work and conversation and before anything happens unlike the NCAA tournament the NIT does not is not controlled if you will or under the jurisdiction of a committee it's really the one entity that's not which is pretty unique right? So knowing that, that's how, that's how the NSA was able to do this by their board of managers, which are essentially state staff members serving on that. But in order for that bigger change to happen, which is, yes, it's definitely on my radar, um, to, because there is, you've, you and I've read the same thoughts out there on social media that this is potentially, potentially a slippery slope. It could be. But before that, there's going to have to be significant conversation happen, as well as input from me and many others who care a whole lot about trying to ensure these opportunities
1: the official podcast of the Horizon League. Uh, It's the first episode released of the 2023-24 season, and we beyond appreciate the commissioner of the Horizon League. No better guest to kick it all off, of course, uh, than the commissioner of the Horizon League, Ms. Julie Rolash. Julie, thank you uh, so much for your time, as always. We're really looking forward to the season. March starts here. We can't wait to get to Indianapolis, of course, but we definitely want to enjoy the next four months of college basketball, and the season's officially here. uh, And I'm looking forward to running into you down the road, as we always do, as we always cross paths at some point during the college hoop season.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much.